Chapter 11, Part 2 of The Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alexandro Manzoni. Chapter 11 part two our author has been unable to certify through how many mouths the secret had passed which grisio was ordered to discover but certain it is that the good man who had escorted the women to monza returning in his cart to pescarnico towards evening happened before reaching home to light upon one of these trustworthy friends to whom he related in confidence the good work he had just completed and its sequel and it is equally certain that two hours afterwards gracia was able to return to the palace and informed don rodrigo that lucia and her mother had found refuge in a convent at monza and that renzo had pursued his way to milan don rodrigo felt a malicious satisfaction on hearing of this separation and a revival of hope that he might at length accomplish his wicked designs he spent great part of the night in meditating on his plans and arose early in the morning with two projects in his mind the one determined upon the other only roughly sketched out the first was immediately to dispatch grisio to monza to learn more particular tidings of lucia and to know what if anything he might attempt he therefore instantly summoned this faithful servant placed in his hand four crowns again commended him for the ability by which he had earned them and gave him the order he had been premeditating signor said grisio feeling his way what haven't i spoken clearly if you would send somebody how most illustrious signor i am ready to give my life for my master it is my duty but i know also you would not be willing unnecessarily to risk that of your dependents well your illustrious lordship knows very well how many prices are already set upon my head and here i am under the protection of your lordship we are a party the signor podesta is a friend of the family the bailiffs bear me some respect and i too it is a thing that does me little honour but to live quietly i treat them as friends in milan your lordship's livery is known but in monza i am known there instead and is your lordship aware that i don't say it to make a boast of myself that any one who could hand me over to justice or deliver in my head would strike a great blow a hundred crowns at once and the privilege of liberating two banditti what exclaimed don rodrigo with an oath you showing yourself a vile cur that has scarcely courage to fly at the legs of a passer-by looking behind him for fear that they should shut the door upon him and not daring to leave it four yards i think signor patron that i have given proof then then frankly replied gracio when thus brought to the point then your lordship will be good enough to reckon as if i had never spoken heart of a lion legs of a hare and i am ready to set off and i didn't say you should go alone take with you 
two of the bravest, Lo Stregiato and Il Tiredrito. Go with a good heart and be our own Grisio. What, three faces like yours, quietly passing by, who do you think wouldn't be glad to let them pass? The bailiffs at Monza must needs be weary of life to stake against it a hundred crowns in so hazardous a game. And besides, don't you think I am so utterly unknown there, that a servant of mine would be counted as nobody? After thus shaming Grisio a little, he proceeded to give him more ample and particular instructions. Grisio took his two companions and set off with a cheerful and hearty look, but cursing in the bottom of his heart. Monza and interdicts and women and the fancy of patrons, he walked on like a wolf which, urged by hunger, his body emaciated, and the furrows of his ribs impressed upon his grey hide, descends from the mountains, where everything is covered with snow, proceeds suspiciously along the plain, stops from time to time with uplifted foot and waves his hairless tail, raises his nose and snuffs the faithless wind, if perchance it may bring him the scent of man or beast, erects his sharp ears and rolls around to sanguinary eyes from which shine forth both eagerness for the prey and terror of pursuit. If the reader wishes to know whence I have got this fine line, it is taken from a small unpublished work on Crusaders and Lombards, which will shortly be published and make a great stir, and I have borrowed it because it suited my purpose and told where I got it that I might not take credit due to others. So let no one think it a plan of mine to proclaim that the author of this little book and I are like brothers, and that I rummage at will among his manuscripts. The other project of Don Rodrigo's was the devising of some plan to prevent Renzo's again rejoining Lucia, or setting foot in that part of the country. He therefore resolved to spread abroad rumors of threats and snares, which coming to his hearing through some friend might deprive him of any wish to return to that neighborhood. He thought, however, that the surest way of doing this would be to procure his banishment by the state, and to succeed in his project he felt that the law would be more likely to answer his purpose than force. He could, for example, give a little coloring to the attempt made at the parsonage, painted as an aggressive and seditious act, and by means of the doctor signified to the podesta that this was an opportunity of issuing an apprehension against Renzo. But our deliberator quickly perceived that it would not do for him to meddle in this infamous negotiation, and without pondering over it any longer, he resolved to open his mind to Dr. Aziza Garbugli. So far, that is, as was necessary to make him acquainted with his desire, there are so many edicts, thought Don Rodrigo, and the doctor's not a goose. He will be sure to find something to suit my purpose, some quarrel to pick with this rascally fellow of a weaver. Otherwise he must give up his name. But how strangely matters are brought about in this world. 
while don rodrigo was thus fixing upon the doctor as the man most able to serve him another person one that nobody would imagine even renzo himself was laboring so to say with all his heart to serve him in a far more certain and expeditious way than any doctor could possibly have devised i have often seen a child more active certainly than needs be but at every moment giving earnest of becoming some day a brave man i have often i say seen such a one busied towards evening in driving to cover a drove of little indian pigs which had been allowed all day to ramble about in a field or orchard he would try to make them all enter the fold in a drove but it was a labor in vain one would strike off to the right and while the little drover was running to bring him back into the herd another or two or three would start off to the left in every direction so that after getting out of all patience he at last adapted himself to their ways first driving in those which were nearest to the entrance and then going to fetch the others one or two at a time as they happened to have strayed away a similar game we are obliged to play with our characters having sheltered lucia we ran to don rodrigo and now we must leave him to receive renzo who meets us in our way after the mournful separation we have related he proceeded from monza towards milan in a state of mind our readers can easily imagine to leave his own dwelling and what was worse his native village and what was worse still lucia to find himself on the high road without knowing where he was about to lay his head and all on account of that villain when this image presented itself to renzo's mind he would be quite swallowed up with rage and the desire of vengeance but then he would recollect the prayer which he had joined in offering up with the good frere in the church at pescarenico and repent of his anger then he would again be roused to indignation but seeing an image in the wall he would take off his hat and stop a moment to repeat a prayer so that during this journey he had killed don rodrigo and raised him to life again at least twenty times the road here was completely buried between two high banks muddy stony furrowed with deep cart ruts which after a shower became perfect streams and where these did not form a sufficient bed of water the whole road was inundated and reduced to a pool so as to be almost impassable at such places a steep footpath in the form of steps up the bank indicated that other passengers had made a track in the fields renzo mounted by one of these passes to the more elevated ground and looking around him beheld the noble pile of the cathedral towering alone above the plain not as if standing in the midst of a city but rather as though it rose from a desert he paused forgetful of all his sorrows and contemplated thus at a distance that eight wonder of the world of which he had heard so much from his infancy but turning round after a moment or two he beheld along the horizon that rugged ridge of mountains he beheld distinct and elevated among these his own resigoni 
and felt his blood curdled within him then indulging for a few minutes in a mournful look in that direction he slowly and sadly turned round and continued his way by degrees he began to discern belfries and towers copulas and roofs then descending into the road he walked forward for a long time and when he found that he was near the city accosted a passenger and made a low bow with the best politeness he was master of said to him will you be kind enough signor what do you want my brave youth can you direct me the shortest way to the capuchin convent where father bonaventura lives the person to whom renzo addressed himself was a wealthy resident in the neighborhood who having been that morning to milan on business was returning without having done anything in great haste to reach his home before dark and therefore quite willing to escape this detention nevertheless without betraying any impatience he courteously replied my good friend there are many more convents than one you must tell me more clearly which one you are seeking renzo then drew from his bosom father cristoforo's letter and showed it to the gentleman who having read the address porto orientale said he returning it to him you are fortunate young man the convent you want is not far hence take this narrow street to the left it is a byway not far off you will come to the corner of a long and low building this is the lazaretto follow the moat that surrounds it and you will come out at the porto orientale enter the gate and three or four hundred yards further you will see a little square surrounded by elms there is the convent and you cannot mistake it god be with you my brave youth and accompanying the last words with a courteous wave of the hand he continued his way renzo stood surprised and edified at the affable manners of the citizens towards strangers and knew not that it was an unusual day a day in which the spanish cloak had to stoop before the doublet he followed the path that had been pointed out and arrived at the porti orientale the reader however must not allow the scene now associated with this name to present itself to his mind the wide and straight street flanked with poplars outside the spacious openings between the two piles of buildings begun at least with some pretensions on first entering these two lateral mounds at the base of the bastions regularly sloped leveled at the top and edged with trees that garden on one side and further on those palaces on the right and left of the principal street of the suburb when renzo entered by that gate the street outside ran straight along the whole length of the lazaretto it being impossible for it for that distance to do otherwise then it continued crooked and narrow between the two hedges the gate consisted of two pillars with a roofing above to protect the doorposts and on one side a small cottage for the custom-house officers the bases of the bastions were of irregular steepness 
and the pavement was a rough and unequal surface of rubbish and fragments of broken vessels thrown there by chance the street of the suburb which opened to the view of a person entering the porte orientale bore no bad resemblance to that now facing the entrance of the porta tossa a small ditch ran along the middle till within a few yards of the gate and thus divided it into two winding narrow streets covered with dust or mud according to the season at the spot where was and now is the little street called borgheto this ditch emptied itself into a sewer and thence into another ditch that washes the walls here stood a column surmounted by a cross called the column of san dionigi on the right and left were gardens enclosed by hedges and at intervals a few small cottages inhabited chiefly by washerwomen renzo entered the gate and pursued his way none of the custom-house officers spoke to him which appeared to him the more wonderful since the few in this country who could boast of having been at milan had related marvellous stories of examinations and interrogations to which all those who entered were subjected the street was deserted so much so that had he not heard a distant buzz indicating some great movement he would have fancied he was entering a forsaken town advancing forward without knowing what to make of this he saw on the pavement certain white streaks as white as snow but snow it could not be since it does not fall in streaks nor usually at this season he advanced to one of these looked at it touched it and felt assured that it was flour a great abundance thought he there must be in milan if they scatter in this manner the gifts of god they gave us to understand that there was a great famine everywhere see how they go about to make us poor people quiet going a few steps further and coming up to the column he saw at its foot a still stranger sight scattered about on the steps of the pedestal were things which certainly were not stones and had they been on a baker's counter he would not have hesitated a moment to call them loaves but renzo would not so readily trust his eyes because forsooth this was not likely a place for bread let us see what these things can be said he again to himself and going to the column he stooped down and took one in his hand it was really a round very white loaf and such as renzo was unaccustomed to eat except on holy days it is really bread said he aloud so great was his astonishment is this the way they scatter it in this country in such a year too and don't they even give themselves the trouble to pick up what falls this must be the land of Cusagagna, and after ten miles walk in the fresh morning air this bread when he had recovered his self-possession aroused his appetite shall i take it deliberated he pa they have left it here to the discretion of dogs and surely a christian may taste it and after all if the owner comes forward i will pay him thus reasoning he put the loaf he held in his hand into one pocket 
took up a second and put it into the other, and a third which he began to eat, and then proceeded on his way, more uncertain than ever, and longing to have this strange mystery cleared up. Scarcely had he started when he saw people issuing from the interior of the city, and he stood still to watch those who first appeared. There were a man, a woman, and a little way behind, a boy, all three carrying load on their backs, which seemed beyond their strength, and all three in the most extraordinary condition, their dress, or rather their rags, covered with flour, their faces flowered, and at the same time distorted and much heated. They walked not only as if they were wearied by their load, but trembling as if their limbs had been beaten and bruised. The man staggered under the weight of the large sack of flour, which, here and there in holes, scattered a shower around at every stumble and at every disturbance of his equilibrium. But the figure of the woman was still more awkward, an unwieldy bulk, two extended arms which seemed to bear it up with difficulty and looked like two carved handles from the neck of a widest part of a large kilderkin and beneath this enormous body two legs naked up to the knees which could scarcely totter along renzo gazed steadily at this great bulk and discovered that it was a woman's gown turned up around her with as much flour in it as it could hold and rather more so than from time to time it was scattered in handfuls over the ground the boy held with both hands a basket full of bread upon his head but from having shorter legs than his parents he kept falling behind by degrees and in running forward to overtake them the basket lost its balance and a few loaves fell and the name of an ideal country affording all sorts of pleasure if you let another fall you vile helpless said the mother gnashing her teeth at the child i don't let them fall they fall themselves how can i help it replied he eh it's well for you that i have my hands engaged rejoined the woman shaking her fist as if she would have given the poor child a blow and with this movement she sent forth a fresh cloud of flour enough to have made more than the two loaves the boy had let fall come come said the man we will go back presently to pick them up or somebody will do it for us we have been a long while in want now that we have got a little abundance let us enjoy it in blessed peace in the meantime people arrived from without and one of them accosting the woman where must we go to get bread asked he forward forward was her reply and when they were a few yards past she added muttering these blackguard peasants will come and sweep all the big houses and magazines and there will be nothing left for us there's a little for everybody magpie said the husband plenty plenty from this and similar scenes which renzo heard and witnessed he began to gather that he had come to a city in a state of insurrection and that this was a day of victory that is to say when every one helped himself in proportion to his inclination and power 
giving blows in payment however we may desire to make our poor mountaineer appear to the best advantage yet historical accuracy obliges us to say that his first feelings was that of satisfaction he had so little to rejoice at in the ordinary course of things that he was inclined to approve of anything that might make a change whatever it might be and besides not being a man superior to his age he entertained the common opinion or prejudice that the scarcity of bread was produced by monopolists and bakers and readily did he esteem every method justifiable of rescuing from their grasp the food which they according to this opinion so cruelly denied to the hunger of a whole people he resolved however to get out of the tumult and rejoiced at being directed to a capuchin who would give him shelter and good advice engaged in such thoughts and looking about him at the fresh victors who appeared laden with spoil he took the short road that still remained to reach the convent on the present site of a noble palace with its beautiful portico there was formerly until within a few years a small square and at the furthest side of this the church and the convent of the capuchins with four large elms standing before them we congratulate not without envy those of our readers who have not seen milan as thus described that is because they must be very young and have not had much time to commit many follies renzo went straight to the door put into his bosom the remaining half-loaf took out his letter and held it ready in his hand and rang the bell a small wicket was opened at the summons and the face of a porter appeared at the gate to ask who was there one from the country bringing an important letter to father bonaventura from father cristoforo give it to me said the porter putting his hand through the grate no no said renzo i must give it into his own hands he is not in the convent let me come in then and i will wait for him replied renzo follow my advice rejoined the friar go and wait in the church where you may be employing yourself profitably you cannot be admitted into the convent at present so saying he closed the wicket renzo stood irresolute with the letter in his hand he then took a few steps towards the door of the church to follow the advice of the porter but thought he would first just give another glance at the stir outside he crossed the square reached the side of the road and stood with his arms crossed on his breast to watch the thickest and most noisy part of the crowd that was issuing from the interior of the city the vortex attracted our spectator let us go and see thought he and again taking out a piece of bread he began to eat and advanced towards the crowd while he was walking thither we will relate as briefly as possible the causes and the beginnings of this uproar end of chapter eleven part two